millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome, dear Consider. It's back to another great episode of Reconsider, where we don't do the thinking for you. And today I have the the delight and the really the honor of being able to welcome the direction and production team of the reunited States, which as of time of recording is out and having its big premiere tomorrow on the 11th of February and is available. I think everywhere we can stream, we'll, we'll cover a little bit about, about that at the end, like easiest way to find it with, uh, with streaming services, et cetera. But I, I, I begged and scraped for the opportunity to be able to talk to this team about what inspired them, you know, what they're hoping to accomplish with the film, a little bit of like why you should watch it as a good citizen. And I want to uh, just first by start, start by welcoming uh, Raj, Ben, and Greg to the show. Um, each of you guys in order, if you could tell, uh, you know, Raj, Ben, Greg, if you could tell uh, the audience real quick what your role is in the making of the reunited States. Thanks so much, Eric. Hey, everyone. My name is Raj Krishna. I am the producer of the documentary, The Reunited States. Hey, this is Ben. I'm the director. And uh, yeah, uh, excited to be here with you. Hi, I'm, I'm Greg Orman. I'm one of the four storylines that are featured in the Eureka yeah. States and uh, ran for uh, both the U.S. Senate and uh, governor in Kansas as an independent. Awesome. So, you know, uh, dear considerance, as you can see, I, I managed to like twist some arms and pull in some favors um, to get to get some incredible folks that we've got for a very short amount of time today because they've got a big premiere to do tomorrow. So I'm just going to get right into it with them. So I think I actually want to, uh, what I, what I'd love to do is, is I'm going to assume that a number of our listeners like have never heard of the reunited States you know, before this. So I want to start with your guys' perspective on, you know, the documentary, the reunited States, what is it? Why should we be watching it? Um, especially right now. And then I've, then I've got some tougher questions for you. Certainly, Eric. I could I could start by describing a little bit about uh, what the film is. So, the Reunited States is a documentary that profiles the stories of everyday Americans, unsung heroes that are trying in their lives to bridge the divide in the U.S. Whether it's a whether whether you want to call it the political divide or the racial divide or or just or just the divides that exist in this country and that have become so evident over the last few years. Mm. So, we follow four incredible storylines. Uh, ranging from Susan Bro, who is the mother of Heather Heyer. Heather was tragically killed in Charlottesville 
when a white supremacist drove his car into a group of counter protesters. And ever since then, Susan has become an advocate for peace, traveling around the country and meeting with different groups. So she's one of the four storylines. And then, of course, there's the beautiful storyline of Greg, who, mm-hmm. who kind of goes on this journey of exploring the um, independent political route. And I'll let Greg describe a little bit more about, about his journey. But uh, the film just released yesterday on, on Amazon and iTunes. It, it's been a three-year journey to make the film. Ben is the visionary behind it. Uh, ben kind of had this moment a few years ago when he met Susan, where he realized that he wanted to make a film about this. And he, he said, you know what? The Reunited States just would, would be such a beautiful title. And he Googled it and he discovered that there's a book called The Reunited States by an author, Mark Gerzon, who is yeah. a leading expert um, in this space of kind of bipartisan uh, reconciliation, civic engagement. So Ben and Mark got in touch. They started talking and then Mark helped open the doors to some of these amazing characters that we that we profile in the film. And it's such an important film right now. We we um, strategically chose to kind of release it at this time just because of the increasing polarization that's happening in this country right now. I mean, I personally got involved in the film back in 20, uh, back in 2018 because a couple of years prior to that, the 2016 election kind of jolted me and made me realize that there were just forces that I didn't really quite understand. And I wanted to be able to connect with my fellow Americans and understand their point of view. And this project and this film really is about that story. You know, so so unlike a lot of my listeners, I've had a good, I've, I've gotten an opportunity to to preview the reunited states and so so i kind of have the answers already but but greg i loved your story in particular and i'd love real quick if you could share a little bit about about you know why you wanted to share your story you know in this documentary and then and then after that ben if you'd like to weigh in that'd be great as well well you know i think anybody who decides to participate in a documentary Uh, does it uh, based on a relatively significant level of trust in the filmmaker and in the intentions. And after meeting with Ben and and having Ben be referred by Mark Gerzon, who is someone I've known for a while and and, uh, feel very aligned with as it relates to what we're trying to get accomplished, I, you know, I felt comfortable letting Ben and, and his cameras and microphones uh, into our lives and into the campaign. And you know, ultimately, I, I come at this from a perspective that our two-party system is irreparably broken. Uh, I, I think, and I've, I've likened it to many different metaphors, but one that I use quite frequently is we are like a married couple going through a bitter divorce. We no longer trust each other. We rarely communicate. When we do communicate, we mistrust each other's intentions. And ultimately, putting Democrats and Republicans in charge and assuming that they are going to solve our problems is a little bit like putting that married couple going through a bitter divorce in a room and saying to them, work it out. It's just not going to happen without the intervention of a third force. And, and so that's, that's what my campaign uh, has really been about. Both campaigns have really been about trying to create a third force in our politics so that we can get back into the business of solving problems uh, and ultimately change the system of government that candidly has left far too many Americans behind. Ben, anything you want to add before I start hitting you guys with some of my tough questions? Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, the the real hope with the film is to reframe this argument uh, that division is an external problem and, and, and maybe entertain the idea that this is something that's within all of us and that we all have a role as citizens to overcome. Uh, in a pluralist society, 
you know, it only works if in so much as we participate in it. And so for me, the big, the big realization in, in starting off to make this film was that I myself had polarizing tendencies and the things that I was saying and doing, even though I thought I was on the right side of an issue or the right side of history, uh, were actually throwing fuel on the fire and reframing that, that sort of lens of how we look at partisanship as to something that we're actually have responsibility over and, and agency over uh, was a radically different way to look at this problem. And so we hope that's what the reunited States can do is, is kind of reframe that discussion to say uh, uh, maybe each of us is part of the problem and that that's good news and that we can be part of the solution too. So I think one place that I've gotten in trouble with my own listeners is, uh, is, is something that people will call both sidesing and, you know, I, I think we, you know, we've talked about one example here of a, uh, you know, of a of Charlottesville, um, in which you know a, a white supremacist went and went and murdered, you know, murdered people, and in, in in order to express, uh, I guess, how he felt. You know, we had the Capitol riots recently, and I think one of the challenges that folks in our line of work, right, in this in this bridging line of work that we're in, will will get is. Well, look, it's 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 not my fault, right? Like I vote, I I protest, but I'm I'm peaceful, I'm reasonable, and you have people that are using violence, um, you know, planting pipe bombs at the Capitol and hunting for Mike Pence with with zip ties and and such, and you know, should I am I really expected to try to what go talk to these people and 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 try to bring them around when you know they believe QAnon conspiracy theories and such, and so I think there's this there's a sense that. I, I think a lot of people very reasonably have that I'm I'm at best wasting my breath uh, talking to a large part of the population, you know. And I think I think I, I'm I'm clearly calling out one side here. I think there's a you know there is a slice of the left that has become you know sufficiently like dogmatic and religious about their own perspective on on social politics um, that they're at, at least difficult to talk to as well and. Um, you know, and they're burning down Portland uh, as, as they go. So, so what's the, uh, yeah, what's the response to that challenge? I would love to hear Greg's point of view on this. That's a, yeah. that's a good one. I mean, look, l- let's be clear. The, the actions and the insurrection on January 6th are indefensible uh, in, any way you look at it. The behavior uh, was abhorrent, uh, was not consistent with who we are as a country, and ultimately uh, not reflective of the values of the vast majority of Americans, frankly, including the vast majority uh, of people who are on that side of the aisle. Uh, and so, you know, I always think that we, we get into trouble when we try to define any group of people based on their worst element. Uh, in fact, I think that is largely the basis for prejudice, is defining people in, in part based on the actions and the activities of the, the worst of, of their people. You know, the reality is we're not talking about necessarily bringing together uh, the fringes. That, that is a, a, a heavy lift, a tall order. But I've had the opportunity to travel throughout the state of Kansas uh, and campaign as an independent, which is really unique. Uh, in that you interact with people from across the political spectrum. You know, if you run as a Republican, you show up, you do a town hall, you do a rally, 
generally the only people who show up are Republicans. If someone shows up from the other mm. side, you know, ultimately they, they get escorted out. Same thing on the Democratic side. The only people who show up to Democrats rallies tend to be Democrats. And as someone who's campaigned and been in rooms with people who were principled conservatives and people who were principled liberals, I can tell you they start off with a basic mistrust of each other that's generally not based on fact. And when you're able to engage with them in a way where you can tease out the intent of both sides and encourage both sides to actually actively listen to each other, what you find is there's a lot of common ground among the American people. Uh, and that's really what we're trying to do here is part of the goal of this movie, I believe, is to get people to not view folks on the other side of the aisle through this lens of enemy, but rather view them as people who have different points of view that need to be understood. And maybe if we all approached it from the standpoint of, I want to understand the other side, not I want to win an argument with the other side, we'd find out that we actually have a whole lot more in common. As somebody who's campaigned, been in rooms, with literally thousands of people from uh, both sides of the political aisle and many people who are independent and, and no longer want to associate with either party, I can tell you the American people have a whole lot more in common than our leaders in Washington, D.C. would like you to believe. That was, that was wonderfully put, Greg. I think I would just add that I think Van Jones, who's one of the executive producers on our film, he was mm. on The View last week, and he, he put it beautifully. He kind of talked about how you can't just throw away you know, the 70-plus the million people that, that voted for Trump, right? And, and it's a very, very small percentage of those people that were involved in the insurrection, right? We're talking about thousands. And, and the actions of those thousands of people do not necessarily reflect the, the will of the 70 plus million people. So I think this, this movie and this movement is about trying to bridge the divide with, with that majority, right? It's not, we're, we're not necessarily trying to reach out to the people who are violent insurrectionists who need to be punished, who need to be um, told that this isn't right, right? And, and I, I don't necessarily think that those, those kind of people, those voters are, are necessarily um, in the same camp as these violent insurrectionists. I'll also say, though, that I personally struggle with the whole QAnon camp and the whole conspiracy theorist camp thing. It's actually quite personal for me because a really um, a really old friend of mine from from, you know, my my childhood days. Uh, recently, I found out that he is a a prominent QAnon conspiracy theorist, for lack of a better term, to a degree where we're talking about, you know, very well-produced and polished um, content that he's kind of, he's kind of putting out there with, with thousands of followers. So I, 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 I couldn't have a conversation with him after, well, I tried to have a conversation with him, but our relationship very, very quickly fell apart and it's still broken. Um, so I, I personally struggle with that. How do, you, how do you talk to somebody who is a conspiracy theorist, who lives in their own information bubble, who in this case propagates the, inf the information bubble um, I, I struggle with that. I don't, I don't. I don't know what the answer is there, other than to say that um, I think. I think the alternative of not trying to talk to these people, of not trying to help them see reality, is probably worse, right? Because because unless you can penetrate that echo chamber, unless you can get in there and and understand their point of view, and also try to 
try to help them get better information, help them come closer to reality, then, then they're just going to keep getting more and more distant, right? And I don't know what that leads to. That, that probably leads to violence or it probably leads to disillusionment or at least it, it leads to something very negative. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I believe that even for the fringes, we have to do something, I don't, but I don't quite know what that is. And I, and I struggle with it on a personal level. Well, and one thing I think we also need to be conscious of this, this, um, you know, those people who are now gravitating to uh, conspiracy theories, et cetera, we, we have to sort of take a step back and, and go to, to 2015, 2016, let's call it the, the pre-Trump era, and, and, and recognize that in 1980, or, or I'm sorry, 2016, 85% of the American people uh, believed that Washington was a rigged game that only benefited those people who had the ability to buy access to power. The vast majority of American people, both, both Democrat, Republican, and certainly independent, uh, believe that politicians are fundamentally dishonest and in it for themselves. And so this, uh, this issue of alienation that in, in some cases drives people to embrace conspiracy theories is sort of at the root cause of what we need to fix in this nation. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about partisanship and how partisanship is driving us apart. But the reality is, if you look at the, the alienation in this country, uh, the real divide, uh, when you get down to it fundamentally, is between the vast majority of the American people and the political elites in Washington, D.C., and they recognize that. And so they use this partisanship as a way to make us angry at each other, uh, as opposed to focusing our attention on what really is the root cause of this problem, which is a system of government that's failing to solve basic problems for the American people. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on camera, but it, it didn't make it into the film. But if you go back to 2016, the year Donald Trump was elected, Median household income in America hadn't risen in 17 years. 17 years, the amount of time it takes a child to go from being born to entering their senior year in high school, that's how long it had been since the average American family had a pay increase. At the same time, the things they spend so much money on, healthcare, childcare, higher education, have so far outstripped the rate of inflation that for the average American family, it didn't feel like you were treading water, it felt like you were drowning. Uh, of course, they embraced something different. And, and so I look at, at Donald Trump, and I've always looked at Donald Trump as not the problem with our political environment, but as the symptom of a two-party system that has failed to meet the basic needs uh, of the American people. Now, it turns out, instead of being the symptoms of the flu, he, he ended up being symptoms of brain cancer. And, and so he certainly had to be <laughs> dealt with. But ultimately, we can't lose sight of the fact that this partisanship driven by alienation and an effort on the part of, of our political elites to use division as a way to stay in power predated Donald Trump. And so if we only look at this problem through the lens of QAnon and the Proud Boys and Donald Trump, we fail to realize the role that both parties played in creating the environment that gave him oxygen in the first place. So I, one thing, one thing my listeners know that y'all three don't is one of the things that reconsider like to say was, was we were worried about political polarization before it was cool. 
Um, we have our own book. Uh, Mark Gerst and I are actually good friends because of because of the, some of the work we did together. And he helped me with a book of, called Wedged, uh, which which discusses the systemic way, well, the systemic process that Greg you actually outlined of of political elites in order to maintain power, um, and media companies in order to maintain viewership use like use division quite effectively. And we were able to show a lot of the ways in which in which that works and and that it works. And and given that, given these sort of systemic incentives for political elites who will always get lots of airtime, and you know, at least is is my hypothesis, media, you know, media syndicates, which uh to to uh what's it to kind of corroborate with them because it gets them viewers, right? Social media gets likes from from feelings of outrage and fear and and um, all this negative stuff works for entrenched interests, and so they have an incentive to keep to keep it going, even if they're horrified at the result. Right? You know, Mark Zuckerberg is probably not sitting there twisting his mustache uh, about about the state of our nation and Facebook's role in it, but but he's accountable to a, a board. And then same thing, probably Mitch McConnell is not. You know, Mitch McConnell is clearly upset at the Capitol insurrection, but but needs to keep doing the kind of stuff that he's been doing to contribute to it. Just I'm just pulling Mitch McConnell, not because I think all of this is his fault, but the ways that, that you know, he and other senators have contributed to it with the way that they campaign, you know, they kind of have to keep doing that or they will get booted, right? Or someone else will get elected in their place. They'll get primaried by someone more radical, right? Or like, or who's better at getting people angry. And so given these strong political incentives, the the I think the other way that we can, the other like, big skepticism question that probably a lot of a lot of listeners will have is you know hey you're asking me to you're asking me to put in a lot of effort here you know you're asking me to put a lot of effort into myself put a lot of effort into the people around me you're asking me to like you know be uncomfortable you know be very uncomfortable and invest a lot of time how do i like how can i believe given that we know these you know like these there are interested parties benefit indirectly or benefit from from doing the stuff that that inadvertently leads to um, the depth of polarization we have given that's true how does us doing this work translate into real change i can i can start there so i think i think you touched on something important which is this kind of algorithmic bias that exists in social media where essentially these platforms are incentivized to create these echo chambers. The media right. in general is, is incentivized to be sensationalist and create and tell stories um, in a way where it can, it just, it, it creates a very tainted narrative in certain cases of what the reality is. Um, and you can, and you can kind of tell by going to certain news media outlets that it's, it's a slightly distorted reality or, or maybe they're just kind of sensationalizing a piece of the news. So I think that it, there is this kind of systemic issue right now where because of the way businesses operate, because of the way these platforms operate, it's creating echo chambers, it's creating disinformation, it's creating this kind of sensationalist agenda in some cases, maybe even inadvertent, right? I mean, to your point, I think, I think we look at someone like, like Mitch McConnell, like he's a, he's a great example of, I think, someone who's, who's, who's horrified, right? Like, like genuinely horrified by the event that, that took place, but then we still... Um, kind of see certain things on that side. So, so yeah, th 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 those incentives exist now. I think coming to your core question, which is why should we do anything or 
you know, why should I take the energy or put in the effort to actually take some steps? I mean, I would, I would answer that question with another question, which is what choice do we have? You know what I mean? Like we, like, again, Van puts this really well. He says, we, we need each other. Right. I mean, you can't just, you can't just not talk to half the country, right? Like that isn't, that is essentially, you're just writing off half the country. That's a civil war, right? So we don't really have a choice. We have to examine our own inner biases. We have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to reach out across the aisle. We have to be the better people. And it's, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but I mean, nothing in life worth doing is easy. Right. And, and I think, you know, as for the, the question of, Hey, what's the point of taking all this effort? If we know that there's these systems and these processes that exist to kind of propagate this, inf- this misinformation and to sensationalize information, I would say to that, look, at least by recognizing that you become self-aware and you become aware of the system, right? Like now when I go on my Facebook newsfeed, um, I can, I can tell like, Hey, this is clickbait. Right. And, and, and I, and because I've become a little more sensitive now to the news, I try to get my news across all, all parts of the spectrum. Uh, all sides is a, is a, is a great resource. Um, yeah. John Gable, the CEO of all sides, you know, he, he, he's in our film. He's one of the partners of the film. All sides aggregates, news from from all sides of the spectrum and they and they kind of bring it together right so so as a part of this journey of trying to discover what we can do and trying to reach out across the aisle i've learned about all sides right so i think there are ways to kind of break out of that system become aware of the system's biases and to just try to try to put forth some kind of an effort to tr- to, to try to bridge the divide because what other choice do we have i guess is kind of what it comes down I actually want to add my own answer to that question because I, I at times have some hopelessness, right? You know, we've been working at this for a long time. You got, y'all have been working at this for a long time. I remember talking to John Gable specifically where, you know, he's one of the granddads of the internet and he started all sides because he, he had this sense of like, oh God, what have I unleashed on the world, right? Yeah, and he had this like great story of like the early, you know, this this early hope that that the internet was going to bring us closer together. And I think in addition, I think in addition to your point about, you know, what choice do we have? What you mentioned about self awareness, I think, is really powerful. In particular, because I think even my question is uh, it was poorly stated because I said you know, hey, what you're asking us to do is like necessarily uncomfortable or necessarily painful or energy consuming. And I think one of the ways that we can flip that on its head is is to ask ourselves how much energy is being consumed and how much discomfort are we going through by indulging in fear and hate and, uh, you know, and, and kind of uh, building and, and reinforcing the echo chambers we're in, right? It's addictive, but it's painful. And I know that the, the friends of mine that are the most dedicated to believing a strong partisan narrative are the least happy. And I think that the people who have started to recognize what's going on around them and can become a little bit more emotionally detached from the, the latest clickbait article they've seen, right, by having a little bit of skepticism and, and taking a beat and saying, you know, let me think about this or, God forbid, I think one of the things I lean on is is having some people that are Republicans and Democrats that I can talk to about something and just and just like get my own thinking mixed up a little bit. It'll, I think it allows me to navigate this mad world we're in with with a lot less agony and a lot less depleted energy 
than I than a lot of the people I know that are that are deep in this echo chamber that they're again they're addicted to, but it doesn't mean they like it, right? It doesn't mean it makes them happy. And so I, you know, having having seen the film, I think a lot of a, a lot of what inspired me most about it was reminding myself how much reminding myself to 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 keep in check how much time am i investing in making myself feel terrible and how much time am i investing in in finding greater peace um and it turns out that the the activities and the energy i put into finding peace and equanimity um and and dare i say you know even even joy at the world around me also contribute to um, creating a stronger network, you know, a stronger, a stronger web or a stronger network of, um, you know, of, of multi-partisan groups of people around me that, that, you know, that are a little saner and are able to go at the, you know, are able to, are able to go uh, do work in the political arena with a more level head. Um, so I, I think I, I happen to think now that I think about it, like, it's not really a choice. It's good for me. It's good for, it's good for the country. It's good for everyone. Um, I think Greg or Ben wanted to add something I interrupted. So y'all go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm happy to comment on a couple of things. One, one is, uh, just to sort of reinforce this idea of talking to each other, uh, because we talked about the cultural aspects of it at one point, um, probably in August or September, I was talking with one of the candidates who ran for president uh, as a Democrat this last cycle. And he was talking about communicating and, and really getting uh, Republicans to vote for Joe Biden. And I said to him, you know, how do you plan to do that? And he sort of gave me his plans and they weren't, they weren't great plans. And I said, I, I got to ask you a question. How many, how many Republicans do you actually know? And he thought about it for a second and he said three. Um, and, and so I think there is something about this movie that if, if nothing else, if it encourages people to talk to people and get acquainted with people and dare I say, befriend people who may be from the opposite political party and don't talk to them about politics. Don't try to persuade them about anything. Uh, understand who they are, and I think we'll see a lot of shared humanity there, and, and that's um, you know that's a positive thing. You know, as to the the comment on the media, I'm not going to comment on that because I think Raj handled that quite well. You know, Conan O'Brien at one point gave a uh, a commencement address at Harvard where he talked about the first commencement he address he wrote some 20 plus years earlier when he when he thought he might be the student giving the commencement address at Harvard, he made a series of predictions. One of them was the world's computers were going to be connected by a network that so enriched people's lives that they were going to lose uh, all interest in idle chit-chat and pornography. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, to your point of the Internet now, it, you know, ultimately was supposed to enrich our lives. And in so many ways, it's made life easier and in so many ways, it's made it worse. But the incentive issue is not just about media companies. The incentives that you describe that exist for electeds is one of the reasons I'm so committed to trying to build a third force in our politics. Because those incentives only work if we have two parties. Um, if we only have two competitive parties, the idea that you're going to win an election by vilifying your opponent 
becomes a less credible path and a less uh, credible strategy to getting reelected. I mean, if you think about it, Coke and Pepsi are, are the two worst consumer brands in the world. Uh, for one simple reason, they're defined exclusively, or I'm sorry, the Democrats and the Republicans are the two worst uh, <laughs> consumer brands in the world because they're defined exclusively by negative advertising. If Coke and Pepsi did that, Coke said Pepsi made you three inches shorter. Pepsi said Coke makes your hair fall out. Nobody would drink Coke and Pepsi. We drink water, beer, wine, anything. It only works in our politics because we only have two competing parties. It's a great analogy. And they've done a lot of work uh, over the course of the years to rig the rules to make sure that they are the only two competing parties. And in fact, that's probably the one area they agree is on how to write rules in such a way uh, to give them an advantage over everybody else. But the reality is they are, they are terrible consumer brands because they are defined exclusively by negative advertising. And if we had a legitimate third force in our politics, that wouldn't work. You'd, you'd say the Republican was terrible and there are a lot of people who don't like negative advertising, but they would probably, uh, uh, it would hurt the Republican. And at the same time, it would hurt the Democrat a little bit if they ran a negative ad. The unintended beneficiary of it would be the independent or the third, the third person. Uh, and so it would force politicians to make a positive argument for themselves, to create a positive vision. You know, today, the problem we have with our politics is we no longer vote for candidates who inspire us or for candidates we love. We vote against the candidates we hate and we fear. Uh, and that only works because we have a two-party system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a, another place I'm just going to I'm just gonna reflect how much Greg and I agree about the world is um, uh, longtime listeners, you know that Xander and I have spent a lot of time advocating for ranked choice voting um, and other alternate voting systems that structurally rewrite these rules to make it much easier for third parties to participate. Greg, we've made a very similar argument that if you have five parties <clears throat> running, it turns out it's very hard it's it takes much more energy and is and is much more like much less efficient as a candidate to say here's why you shouldn't vote for these four other people like i have separate reasons for these four other people why you shouldn't vote for them you're going to get lost out in the noise of those four other people who are all saying well here's why you should vote for me right cuz you're not going to remember anything about the fifth person who just slagged everybody else and i happen to think the coke pepsi analogy is just way way better um well, that's well, that 
Well, but to your point, Eric, the other the other argument you can make there is because second choice votes are so important in a ranked choice system, it penalizes people who who run negative ads because yep. while they they might get their small cohort of people to now support them, uh, they're not going to get second place uh, votes from those candidates that they ran negative ads against. Uh, yeah. And- and so that there's a real disincentive to negative campaigning in a in a ranked choice election where there are credible alternatives to the Democrats and the Republicans. So while we think about this, you know, I what's in, what's so interesting about this film is that I think you know it's you guys have mentioned you've been working on it for three years, and it just so happens to be coming out at. You know, I, I hope this is sort of what feels like the nadir of, you know, the, the rock bottom of American unity. You know, that the moment, you know, post post capital riots, we actually we we just had an, an episode uh, where I talked with a political scientist about, you know, whether the, the capital riots are going to change American DNA the way that 9-11 did. Um, are we going to see permanent changes from that? And, and I don't want to I don't want to. Ask, ask you guys to to opine on that if you don't want to, but I bring it up specifically because the timing is really really interesting, and so I I guess I want to ask ask you both whether you think that the fact that we had this this somewhat watershed moment, and I think Greg, I want to reflect something you said, like the capital riots are a result of something that's been building for a long time of of kind of a, a, a you know these structural incentives that have led to this this worsening and worsening and worsening partisanship. And also the fact that to your point, you know, a lot of Americans, um, a lot of Americans are, are, have, have faced a lot of like economic struggles that have, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book ages of discord, but uh, there's a, there's a good argument that the author there makes that um, that structural and economic instability leads to political instability. um, And that we might be seeing some of that. So, the reason I'm bringing all this up is in this watershed moment of the the capital riots as this kind of indicator, do you guys think that that is something that is going to get Americans to, is it going to, ex- basically, is it going to accelerate this growing divide that we've seen where, you know, you have, you, you have a growing insurrection movement or, or kind of extremist movement that maybe believes that, you know, for example, Donald Trump should be president and democracy doesn't work anymore. And, and, you know, is going to like call back to the American, you know, to the roots of the American revolution um, and fighting tyranny with violence and that they're going to sustain that. And that the left is just going to further check out from the right and just kind of, uh, you know, uh, what's the term basket of deplorables, right. That's going to, that the left is going to dive deeper into that. And that's the natural, is that going to be the natural inclination? And we just need to, like, we in this bridge building community have our work cut out for us even more now? Or do you see the Capitol riots as a wake the heck up moment for Americans where had they not happened, maybe things would have just kept going the way they were. But because they did, we realize we've got this deeper problem and we're willing to do the work now. Uh, Feel free to speculate. Well, you know, I'd, I'd say I have to be a little bit humble in making predictions about uh, how a particular event is going to play out over time with the American people. What I, what I will say is anecdotally, since the events on January 6th, I've certainly heard from a lot more people uh, about their belief that we need to do something different in this country. Uh, and people may have a different perspective about what that is. 
But I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of Americans who finally realize that this political dysfunction uh, is uh, potentially incredibly damaging uh, to our country and, and saw the events of January 6th as a, as a manifestation of that. Yeah, I would, I would just to add to that, say that I think the events of the insurrection were jarring for the vast majority of Americans, something like, I don't know, 95% or even higher. And it's, it's definitely created, I think, an awareness that we're divided. Now, from, from there, where do we go? Do we become more divided? Do we become less divided? My hope is that we become less divided, that we come together, that we use it as a way to reflect, to, to acknowledge and reflect and listen and learn. Um, I've seen anecdotal evidence uh, that, that, that that is happening, but I've also seen anecdotal evidence of the opposite. So um, we've seen, I, I've, I've seen kind of people who are Republicans kind of reflect on that event and say, look, this, these are not my people. This is not my, it's not my party. I, I, I don't condone this kind of behavior and, and we need to change. So I've, I've seen that. But then I've also talked to people who are like, the election was, was, was rigged um, and, and, and there was something wrong with it and, and it was stolen, right? And they're kind of like hardened down in that position. And um, I don't know if that is the majority of Republicans, but um, there are people like that out there, right? So I think, I think both, both forces are at play. Which force will win? I don't know. I mean, I hope it's the better angels of our nature. I hope that we can come together. I mean, this country can do such amazing things if we can just come together. I mean, there, there are so many. My, my personal wish is that people just realize that we have a lot of problems in this world. We have, we have climate change. We have poverty. We have um, all, all sorts of much, much bigger picture issues, you know, like uh, illiteracy and, and, and infant mortality in d- different countries. Like there's just so many issues that we have to tackle as a human race that to be randomly divided over, over these kinds of issues that we have in this country, I at least personally believe that we should try to rise as the people above that and try to solve some of these, some of these bigger ticket issues. So again, I, I personally hope that we're moving towards reconciliation, but Let's see how it goes. I mean, I think, I think hopefully this movie and hopefully the listeners on this podcast and the viewers of the movie and the characters in the film and all of these bridge building organizations, we've had more than now 80 plus organizations, everyone from the National Institute for Civic Discourse to the Civic Health Project to the Listen First Project to the Weave Community, just everybody, Unite.us with, with Tim Shriver and his team. They've all rallied behind this film. And, and I mean, they're all doing incredible work right now in their own right, but everyone has come together behind this film. And I hope that this film can be a catalyst for driving that self-awareness, for driving that change. So hopefully if things were already not on a good course, then this project can, can help set things um, on a good course for, for a large number of people. And, and I would actually echo a little bit of, of what Raj said there. You know, this, this is a country that put a man on the moon that harnessed the power of the atom, that figured out how to take computers that used to fill rooms and put it on a, on a head of a pin. You know, our country and our people can solve any problem if they put their differences aside and focus on solving those problems. That's, a, that's our history as a people. That's what we've done over time. And we've done it often with the backdrop of political and cultural strife. Uh, but somehow we've always been able to come together and rise above it to solve monumental challenges. 
you know, I am a little concerned we're in a little different environment right now. You know, if you if you think back and we get we, we look back uh, to 1960 when Democrats and Republicans were asked the question, would you be displeased if your child married someone from the opposite political party? Four percent of Democrats and five percent of Republicans said yes. They were asked that same question in 2010, and a third of Democrats and 49% of Republicans said yes. Oh, wow. Partisanship has become the new prejudice in this country. And, you know, so we are, we are trying to solve these problems through a, a similar, but in some senses, very different backdrop of political and cultural strife. And, you know, I'm always going to bet on the American people to come together, but I also believe that they come together and we solve these problems based on the leadership, the heroic effort, the sacrifices uh, of uh, heroes in our midst. And I'm, I'm hoping that this movie inspires a lot of people uh, to do more and contribute more uh, towards uh, bringing our country together so we can solve these critical problems and make the American dream real again uh, for every American who's willing to work to achieve it. What's interesting is I actually, my, my kind of pet theory here, and, and this, comes from, um, this comes from a little bit of internal discussion we've had here at the Reconsider Camp, is that Americans are acting a lot like addicts right now. And I use that term already today regarding uh, stuff like, you know, our, our attachment to to outrage and fear on social media and and conventional media um, and and with our you know with our politicians um, and the thing about addicts is they're very very hard to uh, you know convince to let go of something until they've hit rock bottom and the, and, and addicts have to you know late stage addicts have to hit their find their rock bottom and then they're finally ready to change and one thing that has been shown to be efficacious for addicts to sort of get them get them to this rock bottom moment um, sooner is to remind them of like remind them of the of the very real possibility for their lives to be better, right? And so showing this contrast and and you know often uh, sorry sorry showing them both where they are and that it can be better. And this is why interventions are a thing. This is why like for something like AA, the kind of one day at a time mindset really matters because you have these, you have these like, you know, the, these old veterans, these diehards that are like, yeah, it was like you look at me now. Like, I, you know, I have a stable family and a stable job and I'm happy. Um, you can be like this too. You just gotta, you just gotta keep coming back. And what I'm, what I'm, what I'm hoping is that the timing of this film is actually very good as a way of, showing people the second half of this contrasting picture, right? Showing, showing sort of Americans who are addicted to outrage and addicted to division, the second half of this picture. We've seen, we, we've potentially hit a rock bottom, right? We've had, that, we've had that moment on January 6th. And can we show, can we have this intervention through moments like the United States in which we show people, oh man, Right. This is this is what I want. Like I, I want to be different now. And so I'm I'm actually very optimistic about the timing. I'm very glad you guys are have have done this work and, and that we have the opportunity to watch it. With our last couple of minutes here, what I want to do is make sure that everyone knows where they can view the United States and then what they can do afterward 
to, you know, to take the, the energy and inspiration that comes from seeing the film and, and do something useful with it. So I'm on the website, reunitedstates.tv right now. You can watch it on demand at Fandango Now, Vudu, iTunes, Amazon Video, YouTube, Google Play, and apparently Xbox? Anywhere <laughs> else that they should be looking? Well, it's also, yeah, so the film is available on all major streaming platforms. It's also available on, oh, great. Uh, on all major cable satellite providers. So Dish TV, Spectrum, Cox, Verizon, um, including a bunch of smaller local cable providers. So anywhere where you watch, where, where you rent movies on demand, um, the film is available. And furthermore, um, www.reunitedstates.tv is, um, is actually built not just as a movie website, but it's built as a a collection of resources for depolarization. So when you hit our homepage and you scroll down, it actually brings you into this experience that kind of shows you some of the pitfalls of being polarized. And then it kind of takes you on this journey across four different tracks, including depolarize yourself, depolarize within your community, depolarize within your family. And it gives you kind of these tangible tips and it's and, and there's built-in animations and whatnot. And it, it's really, really well done. I mean, uh, Van Jones talked about the website um, at length about just how how it provides practical tools for people uh, that that they can actually apply in their communities. So check out the website, check out the film, um, and also just if there's one thing that 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 you can do, it's it's just have an open mind, right? In your conversations with people, in your in your readings, in your dealings with just different people across the aisle, have an open mind. Learn to listen again. It really doesn't hurt, right? It really doesn't hurt to have a conversation. I mean, you can still after, at the end of the conversation disagree with the person. But hearing them out, connecting with people, I think um, hopefully, hopefully that is one tangible thing that we can all do and, and, and take away from this. Yeah, and, and what I would say, again, I, I'd say two things. One is uh, decide that you're going to relate to people, not just about politics, but recognize we've got common hopes, dreams, aspirations. And in, in that understanding of our common humanity, you'll realize uh, people from across the political aisle may have difference of opinions, but they're not your enemy. And and ultimately, if you can take that approach, if we can sort of ratchet things back a little bit, that's a positive first step. For people who are interested in sort of this notion of creating a third force in our politics and some of the things, uh, Eric, that you spoke about in terms of political reform, there, there are two organizations I like, Unite America, which is uniteamerica.org as their website. Uh, and then the Institute for Political Innovation, uh, which can be found at political-innovation.org. Uh, both are working on changing the rules in such a way to create uh, a legitimate uh, alternatives to Democrats and Republicans. And hopefully as a result of that, accountability at the ballot box and better results for the American people, which you know I believe will have uh, the side effect of uh, depolarizing us and ultimately uh, making people more focused on on positive futures as opposed to our political divisions. And for those who are really inspired, just to you know, by by some of the s- stories they see, just to get involved in making the you know making this this fair nation a better place, um, I want to encourage everyone who, who feels that to go to BridgeAlliance.us, where a lot of the organizations that Raj talked about that Greg mentioned um, that the the film is going to mention that are on the website, et cetera. A lot of them are featured there. Um, it's this kind of big cornucopia of of options for you to get involved in the way that most speaks to you. And um, I hope you know. I hope everyone takes the time to 
no, I implore, heck, I, I implore everyone to take the time to watch this film. I really enjoyed it. At the very least, like, if you get nothing else out of it, you will feel good. Right, you will see this, and you will, and you will have this little moment where it's like, oh yes, there are like there are good people among us that are like doing the right thing. And I hope what you get out of it after you do watch it is that you ask, you look in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, who do I want to be in this in this time of of you know in in this time of like deep political turmoil for the U.S. and and much of the world. So, reunited states TV. Uh, everywhere good streaming is and um so so go check it out give us you know shoot me an email eric at reconsidermedia.com uh with your thoughts about it especially if you were inspired and raj ben and greg i want to thank all of y'all for taking the time especially uh again leading up to this premiere i know you're super busy to um to join me today uh had a ball chatting with you Best of luck tomorrow. You know, go kill it. And and thanks for all the hard work that you do. Eric, thank you for having us. Thank you. Great to be here. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.